Hi, this is Kelly Chase and you are listening to History Detective, a podcast where I delve into the past to uncover the mysteries of history and then I explore how that story might be reimagined through song. This is Case 34, Joan of Arc. A huge thank you to Add Up Learning for their continued support of the podcast. They have ready-made teaching resources for all subject areas and grade levels. Amped Up Learning now have a points reward system earning you 5% rewards on every purchase. Head on over to ampeduplearning.com for all of your classroom needs, including supporting resources for every History Detective episode. Enter the code HISTORYDETECTIVE10 to get 10% off everything. It is not often that you can say this about a teenaged peasant girl from almost 600 years ago, but there is so much scholarship about her. The Google search results go on for days. There are literally hundreds of books and thousands of scholarly articles written about her. There have been countless movies and songs, including one that I wrote for this episode. In fact, I'm going to put a link to a Spotify playlist in the show notes. So that is pretty impressive for a teenage peasant from the 1400s who died before her 20th birthday. Another interesting thing about Joan of Arc is that she has incredibly broad appeal. Let's just say that everybody seems to love Joan of Arc. So let's dive in and find out her story. Mark was born in 1412, but before we meet Joan, it is important to set a little context for what was going on in the world. 75 years before she was born, there was a serious conflict that was going on between France and England. So serious, in fact, that they now call it the Hundred Years' War. Even though it actually went for about 116 years. As you can imagine, a war that went on for more than a century was very complicated. But to put it in a nutshell, the French and the English were fighting about who had the right to legitimately rule over France. The English had been ruling over France from a distance and the French did not accept their right to rule. There were some periods of peace, but like I said, this was a war that was going on for a very long time by the time that Joan of Arc came into the picture. A chap called Charles VII plays a very important role in the story of Joan of Arc. By the time Joan was a teenager, the Hundred Years' War conflict had heated up again and there were people that believed that Charles VII should not be the legitimate ruler. But you know who did think that he was the rightful ruler? Our teenage heroine, Joan of Arc. Well, technically back then she pronounced it the French way, Jeanne. But for this podcast, I'm going to use the English pronunciation. Joan was a peasant born in a village called Doremi, and this village happened to be located on the frontier near where one of the big battles of the Hundred Years' War was happening. So both her and her family's lives would have been directly impacted by this fight for Charles VII to be the rightful king of France. 
Joan was a devout Catholic, and when she was 13 years old, she experienced some visions and heard voices, and she believed that she'd been visited by St. Margaret, St. Catherine, and St. Michael. These saints told her that it was her mission to help free France from English rule and to restore Charles VII to his rightful throne. Now, if a 13-year-old girl of today had a vision from some saints and went to a member of the ruling family insisting that they are the rightful king, it definitely wouldn't fly. But medieval France was a different time and it was not unusual for people to have visions of saints. It was also not uncommon for all of the adults to be fully on board and support these divine missions. With that said, Joan the Maid did have to jump through a few hoops in order to get her divine message to Charles, and she didn't get to meet him until she was in her late teens. Modern day experts have tried to posthumously diagnose her with a neurological issue, But you can imagine it is hard enough to diagnose someone who is alive with a neurological issue in the 2020s, let alone a person who died almost six centuries ago with only access to flawed, middle-aged sources. So, for the sake of the story, I'm going to assume that Joan 100% believed that she had visions of saints and that many of the people around her also believed that she had had these visions. Now that we've established that the people around her, her peasant village people, believed that she had a mission from God to restore Charles to the throne, the next move was to tell Charles himself. The first mission was to get there, and for that, she needed to be dressed a little more comfortably. Why? Because it was a more than 500 kilometer journey. For comfort and practicality, she wore men's clothing. Now, remember that fact that she was dressed like a man, because later at her trial, she was not burned at the stake for faking her visions. She was actually convicted to death for heresy, which included her dressing in men's clothing. Once she arrived at the court where Charles was, there's a bit of a legend that he put on a disguise and sent another guy to pretend to be him. But Joan was not fooled and she pointed out who the real Charles was. But that was only the first test. There was another test, a test of her purity. You see, Joan called herself Joan the Maid because that symbolised that she was pure and lived completely to fulfil the mission set for her by God. But in order for Charles to accept her as his prophet, she needed to prove that she was in fact a virgin. These examinations, which I can only imagine were unpleasant, were conducted by Charles's mother-in-law, Queen Yolande, and a group of ladies of the court. She was also subjected to another of these purity tests when she was captured and put on trial. With her purity test out of the way, it was time to get her into some armour, get her a horse, and get her down to the front lines to inspire the troops. For five weeks, she inspired the troops and is credited as leading them to many victories. One of the places that they captured back from the English was a place called Bronze. Bronze was important because it was traditionally the place that they would perform the coronation. This is where, in 1429, Charles VII was crowned the King of France, and kneeling beside him at his coronation was none other than his mystical maiden warrior, Joan of Arc. From here, things went downhill for Joan. 
She was 18 years old and she was captured by the English and then put on trial for heresy by the Catholic Church. The word heresy means that someone's actions seriously undermine the principles of the religion. And she was grilled in an incredibly unfair trial. What is fascinating about this trial is that today we can access the records of the court proceedings. Why I say it was unfair is that Joan was a possibly illiterate girl and she was put in a courtroom and interrogated about her visions and heresy by a bunch of old male monks who had studied theology and the Bible for their entire lives. She had no defence lawyer. She had to defend herself, often in front of an audience of 20 to 30 men. Reading through the transcripts, which is a little boring to be honest, it is glaringly obvious that they are trying to trick her into making an error in her recollections. All the while, she is being held in a prison cell chained to a wooden block. In fact, for the final few trial sessions, they didn't even bother with the courtroom. They just conducted the proceedings in her prison cell. The trial started in January and went through to late March. She was then convicted of heresy, But like I said earlier, the charges were not about the validity of her visions, but about her choosing to wear men's clothing, which was apparently a sin. Joan was burned at the stake, and because they did not want anyone to worship her as a martyr, they burned her remains three times, so there was no evidence left of her body. This is ironic, considering the icon that she has become today. But that was not the end of her story. Her family never gave up on her and 20 years later, at the request of her mother and brothers, she was given another trial. Due to the corrupt and unfair nature of the first trial, the original verdict was overturned and Joan was exonerated. But obviously, you can't bring her back from being thrice burnt. Still, this is not the end of her story. The year was 1920 and France had just emerged after a very harrowing and destructive war, World War I. And one way to lift the spirits of the French people whose land had been decimated was to make one of their very own historical figures a saint. And this is when Joan of Arc became Saint Joan, the patron saint of soldiers and France. Just whose truth will it be? Hers or his story? Maybe just a little bit in between. Look, I'm not the only person to write a song about Joan of Arc, and in fact, I will link a Spotify playlist in the show notes to show you how many people have been inspired by Saint Joan. But now I would like to play you the song that I wrote, which was inspired by Joan of Arc, and it is called Go Down Fighting. This is Kelly Chase on The Case. This light shines so
would like to thank my senior history class of 2021 for gifting me a beautiful book about Joan of Arc, which inspired me to write this episode about her. You can follow me on Twitter at History Detect, on Instagram at History Detective 9, or you can email me at historydetective9 at gmail.com. If you would like to support the podcast, there are a few ways to do this. Firstly, if you're a teacher and would like supporting resources for all of the season one, two, three, or four episodes, you can head on over to Amped Up Learning or Teachers Pay Teachers to buy accompanying resources. Or if you don't need teaching resources, you can simply buy me a coffee using the link in the show notes. Your support helps to keep this podcast going. But if you would like a non-financial way to support the podcast, the best thing to do is write a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and now even Spotify. As this is a completely independent podcast, your support helps me to keep producing episodes. Next time on History Detective, we will travel back to ancient Rome and learn about the original wicked stepmom, Livia Drusilla. If you liked what you heard and know someone who might enjoy History Detective too, please share and subscribe. See you next time.